0: Hi everyone, I'm Debbie Roberts, owner and financial advisor at Property Apprentice. Join us today for the week in review where I talk about current events for the everyday investor and home buyer. Our topics for this week, first up from One News on the 11th of February, government urged to help boost build to rent developments. Try saying that 10 times really fast. Second topic from New Zealand Herald on the 12th of February, debt to income. Aucklanders need almost $200,000 incomes to buy average home. Third topic from staff on the 13th of February, house prices double in 10 years but can it continue? Fourth topic from RNZ on the 14th of February, some homeowners let insurance policies lapse in face of high cost. And topic number five from the mortgage mag on the 13th of February, New Zealanders adjustment to higher rates, about 80% complete, RBNZ. Topic number one. From One News, on the 11th of February, government urged to help boost build-to-rent developments. Commercial real estate developer Kiwi Property Group is advocating for governmental alterations to tax and investment regulations to facilitate the expansion of build-to-rent initiatives as part of the strategy to alleviate the scarcity of affordable housing. Their recent survey findings indicate a growing inclination towards renting, particularly among younger demographics, with 85% expressing willingness if certain barriers like quarterly inspections and stringent customisation rules are removed. Kiwi Property views build-to-rent developments as a pivotal component in mitigating the housing shortage, offering secure tenancies, premium amenities and quality accommodations. The company is on the brink of introducing 295 long-term rental units at Auckland Sylvia Park with plans for similar endeavours at Lynn Mall Shopping Centre. While the concept of build-to-rent is new in New Zealand, it has been successfully implemented in other parts of the world, including the United States, United Kingdom, Europe and Australia, demonstrating its potential effectiveness. Simplicity, a KiwiSaver provider, is also expanding into the build-to-rent sector, with a proposed 330-unit complex in Remuera. While applauding local investment in such ventures, Kiwi Property underscores the necessity of loosening overseas investment regulations and offering incentives citing Australia's strategy of doubling depreciation rates for build-to-rent ventures as a pertinent example. So I think, you know, great that we've got these build-to-rent developments happening. That's certainly going to ease the pressure on the rental stock, especially in Auckland where there's a, a critical shortage of rental properties available at the moment. However, I think my personal opinion is there's always going to be a need for private property investors. Not everyone wants to rent in a big apartment complex. So, you know, the good things about the ones that are being built is that they're close to transport hubs and obviously being close to Sylvia Park, for example, that gives good access to supermarkets and shops as well for the people that are renting there. But like I said, not everyone wants to rent in an apartment building. And I think with the relaxing of some of the rules around private landlords, that's going to help boost the available rental properties for the tenants in this country as well, because about a third of our population rent the the homes that they live in. So second topic for this week in review from New Zealand Herald on the 12th of February, debt to income, Aucklanders need almost $200,000 incomes to buy the average home. Aucklanders might need to earn at least $172,000 annually to purchase an average-priced house under the Reserve Bank's upcoming debt-to-income lending rules, which are expected to be implemented later this year. Nationally, buying an average-priced home could require an income of $154,697, which is $27,000 more than the typical Kiwi household income. The new rules aim to cap borrowing for most owner-occupiers and first-home buyers at six times their annual incomes to help stabilise house prices relative to incomes. While these requirements may seem stringent, they could prevent another significant surge in house prices, aligning price growth more closely with income growth. Based on CoreLogic's Auckland average house price of $1,289,768 Buyers putting down a 20% deposit would need a $1,031,814 bank line, translating to an annual income requirement of $171,969 under the new rules. Investors, however, could borrow up to seven times their annual income. Despite potential challenges, opportunities for lower-income home buyers may still exist such as considering new-built houses, which could be exempt from the new rules to encourage construction. Yet some industry experts express concerns about the rules' impact, suggesting that they could limit borrowing flexibility and slow down property investment, particularly during periods of low interest rates, when the rules are expected to have the most significant effect. So my advice to first-home buyers is that you don't have to buy the average house in Auckland. You know, start smaller and build your way up to that potentially, especially if you're not a particularly high income. You don't want to strangle yourself with a million dollar mortgage. That's crazy, crazy do. If you'd like to learn more about investing in property, join me at one of our free events called How to Succeed with Property Investing. I'll discuss strategies for successful investing from my perspective as a financial advisor and experienced investor, available live online or in person. Check out propertyapprentice.co.nz for upcoming dates and register today. We don't sell property, so it's all about increasing your knowledge to reduce your risk. We create smarter property investors. If you've already been to one of our free events and would like to find out more about how we can help you to reach your financial goals, you can also book a no-obligation phone call or meeting with my husband, Paul Roberts, via the website. Third topic for this week in review from staff on the 13th of February. House prices double in 10 years, but can it continue? House prices across New Zealand experienced a significant surge over the past decade, with average asking prices in 12 out of 19 regions doubling in value from 2014 through to 2023, according to data from realestate.co.nz. In regions like the Hauraki Gulf Islands and Kaoru, prices saw remarkable increases with growth rates exceeding 170%. However, economists warn against the likelihood of a similar surge in the coming decade, citing affordability concerns and market dynamics. Despite the slower price growth observed in January, as reported by QV, with the average home value increased by 2% nationwide, experts emphasise that another doubling of house prices within the next 10 years is improbable. Factors contributing to this scepticism include stretched affordability levels, regulatory interventions and current economic conditions. So my take on that is, you know, people have always said house prices can't continue to increase the way that they have been, and yet they have over the last few decades. Now, I'm not saying that you should be able to expect that house prices will double every 10 years because that's not the case. They tend to double in value every 7 to 10 years, but, you know, there's no... Guarantees when it comes to investing is there. So, I certainly am not expecting significantly lower capital growth. We are all about supply and demand in New Zealand. And at the moment, in a lot of places across the country, there's a shortage of properties and demand is on the increase. So, I think that there's a good chance that house prices could increase, whether they'll double in 10 years, or seven years, or 12 years, anybody's guess to be fair. While demand remains relatively steady, particularly from first-home buyers targeting more affordable stock, investors are facing challenges due to the high interest rates which impact the returns on investment properties. As buyers cautiously re enter the market, there was increasing interest in smaller regional centres, where properties may offer better value for money and rental returns compared to main urban centres. However, I would recommend that you avoid small towns, especially if they've got shrinking populations. We prefer to invest in areas where the population's at least 20,000 and growing in size as opposed to shrinking. So just be careful about some areas in New Zealand. They're not good for long-term investment. Overall, the property market does remain resilient, owing to factors such as returning buyer confidence and ongoing demand but the potential for another decade of exponential price growth appears limited in some people's opinion with affordability concerns and market dynamics tempering expectations my advice is you should never rely on capital growth because it's the one thing that you've got no control over actually there's two things you've got no control over capital growth and market rent so always buy based on the numbers And um, make sure that you're buying the right sort of property for your particular financial position and bearing in mind what long-term goals you've got. Fourth topic for this week in review from RNZ on the 14th of February. Some homeowners let insurance policies lapse in face of high cost. Over two-thirds of respondents to Consumer New Zealand's recent Insurance Satisfaction Survey expressed concerns about the affordability of home insurance with 8% admitting to letting their policies lapse due to high costs. Rebecca Stiles, the investigative team leader, highlighted a concerning trend observed over the last year, urging New Zealanders to review their coverage options and seek out more competitive deals. Stiles pointed out significant spikes in house insurance premiums over the past decade, citing Wellington's premium increase of 29%, and Auckland's rise of 26% as notable examples. She attributed these escalating costs to various factors, including heightened reinsurance expenses, the impact of extreme weather events, and insurers' adoption of risk-based pricing strategies. Stiles emphasised that insurers now have access to more detailed and accurate information concerning the risks associated with specific properties and areas in New Zealand. Given the increased frequency and severity of weather-related incidents in the country, insurers are passing on the resulting higher costs to consumers. In response to these challenges, Styles advised homeowners to carefully reassess their insurance needs and explore options to mitigate rising premiums. She suggested several strategies for homeowners to consider, such as adjusting their excess amounts, exploring fire-only or fire and burglary policies as more affordable alternatives, and capitalising on potential discounts available for combined house and contents policies or for maintaining a claims-free history. Additionally, Stiles highlighted the importance of paying premiums annually rather than monthly where possible to potentially secure annual discounts, although she acknowledged that this might not be feasible for all consumers. Consumer New Zealand members were encouraged to take advantage of online resources and tools available to facilitate better comparisons of insurance products and premiums. This comprehensive approach aims to empower consumers to navigate the evolving landscape of insurance costs effectively. My advice would be to get an insurance advisor who specialises in fire and general insurance and has access to a, a range of different insurance providers so that they can do that shopping around for you and and give you advice as to the best way that you can reduce your insurance premiums without reducing your cover. Topic number five, the mortgage mag from 13th of February. New Zealanders' adjustment to higher rates, about 80% complete, according to RBNZ. New Zealanders with mortgages are around 80% through the transition to higher interest rates, according to Chris McDonald, the Reserve Bank's Manager of System Monitoring and Analysis. This is an increase from about two-thirds reported early in November. The banks have handled the transition well so far, but the Reserve Bank is keeping a close eye on the labour market as employment's a key factor in mortgage affordability. The OCR has risen from its low of 025 to 5.5% since October 2021, leading to an increase in one-year mortgage rates from approximately 2.2% to between 7.3 and 8% for most borrowers. I do think it's important to remember that when the OCR was 0.25 that was in reaction to the global pandemic. So having one year interest rates from you know around the 2.2 to 2.5% mark was extremely abnormal for New Zealand. We've always recommended that whenever you're crunching your numbers on affordability when you're taking out a mortgage Make sure you crunch the numbers on about a 7% interest rate on principal and interest, just, make, just to make sure that that's going to be affordable for you. At the moment, obviously some interest rates are above that, but there's certainly, you know, we're expecting interest rates to start coming down at some stage in the near future. Deputy Governor Christian Hawkesby noted that house prices have stabilised within sustainable levels, although market activity has picked up which could indicate future price trends. Immigration at record levels amid slowing housing construction is seen as a potential driver of continued house price inflation. Rising insurance premiums, particularly after events like Cyclone Gabriel, have raised concerns among committee members, prompting discussions between the central bank, insurers and banks. While arrears are rising, they remain below levels seen a decade ago and the uptake of hardship programs offered by banks is not specifically monitored by the Reserve Bank. Whether you're seeking to diversify your investment portfolio or if you're taking your first step to generate passive income through property investing, now's a great time to be proactive. Join our How to Succeed with Property Investing free event during these two-hour workshops, we provide the most recent property market information and more, and as an experienced property investor and financial advisor, I'll share valuable insights and expert tips to help you on your journey. Our free events cater to all levels of property investors and 1st home buyers. I'll tell you more about how we can help our clients to achieve their financial goals as well. So if you're interested in finding out more about what we do, Visit propertyapprentice.co.nz today to secure your spot and register for one of our events because the more you learn, the lower your risk. And just remember, we don't sell property, so there's no vested interest in those property events. Alternatively, you can book a no-obligation phone call or meeting with my husband, Paul Roberts, through our website. Thanks for listening.